In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned in the announcements, today begins the period of the Triodion Sunday and the Triodion period in the life of the church. And very quickly, it is a book of the church that is used pre-Lent, Lenten, and Holy Week in the life of the church. It allows us to see and to focus And if we had services daily, you would hear the focus of the beautiful prayers and the hymns that would be chanted. Part of this message of this Triodion Sunday begins today and continues for the next couple of Sundays with various themes of parables given by our Lord. Parables about repentance and what an individual must do in this life and how the church helps to proclaim repentance for when an individual realizes they need to repent and return to God. This is why if we really want to have a different focus or a different way, the church guides us that repentance is the key. In order to help us change, we need the help. And that is where the Lenten period comes in. Great Lent teaches us how to change and offers the tools which helps us do battle against the resistance generated by our own material desires. The tools that the church gives us is fasting, prayer, charity and almsgiving, and love and expression of love in and through the sacraments of the church. By putting these things aside, we are extinguishing the passions of our life according to the flesh, and we are willingly taking up the example of the cross and being resurrected in a new life with God. It gives the opportunity for an individual to have a U-turn of both soul and body. And if you've ever used or done a U-turn legally, and if you have your GPS, you'll know it'll say recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. The church offers recalculation for us. Whether we want to follow it or if we want to be stubborn like we are sometimes of our GPS saying, oh, I know how to get there. I can get there faster. So you might ask then, what are these next three sets of parables that we hear and what is a parable? Well, a parable is an analogy that Christ offered to give a deeper meaning of what He was basically trying to teach or to say. If I were to really sum it down, in order so that Christ would not embarrass a person or persons, He taught them in parables so that everyone could understand. This happens today on the Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee in which Christ gives us the way to understand what repentance is and what it is not. Repentance is the first step towards the role of salvation. Towards the road of salvation, I should say. It means 
to acknowledge our life is only temporary and the one that awaits us, the life of paradise, the day that will never end, is the one that we should be working for in which God offers to mankind. We must know, though, that a little bit about the word repentance, especially for those that are of the Greek heritage, it means metania, which means to have a change of mind. And it also means, in short term, feeling a little bit of remorse. Metania means a complete change of one's lifestyle according to the will of God. One great example, if you want to know, is the story of Jonah and the Ninevites. If you don't know what I'm talking about, open up the book of Jonah and read. It's not long. St. John the Baptist, when he was preaching, when he was baptizing, was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And there our Lord, even at the time of His baptism, at the Feast of Holy Theophany, we hear, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means then we are supposed to be getting ready. The message of repentance never stops. The apostles taught it, and the church still teaches it today in her beautiful liturgical life. But now that we know a little bit of history about what this Sunday is and what repentance is, now let's dive in a little bit about the parable that we heard today. We heard about two completely individuals with two different backgrounds who went up to the temple to pray with two very different attitudes. The publicans were tax collectors, but a lot worse than the regular revenue collectors. At that time, the publicans paid off the Romans so that they can go take the taxes of those individuals. And there, some people would raise the taxes more. That's why they were despised because they were probably charging more, but because they took over the accounts of everybody else, they had the authority. They were given the opportunity. This is why these individuals were labeled or looked upon with a sorrowful eye or expression. What were the Pharisees? Well, they were part of two religious groups at the time. One, the Pharisees, and the other, the Sadducees. And the Pharisees, by which, by way, just so everyone knows, it means the separated. That's what that word means. They were, if we were to label them, they were Puritans of the faith. They were strict to the law. And they considered themselves above others because of their knowledge and their practice of the law. They believe that their example to others is how to be. They were self-assured. They were proud of themselves because they followed to a T what the law was doing and what the law commanded. They were proudful and boastful, but they disregarded the giver of the law. Today, we hear the only reason why this individual went up to pray was to be seen by other men and by others that were there. 
Whatever good deed He did, He did and He said in order to attract the praise and glory. If you were, this person that we hear in Scripture today suffers from the great thing called human ego. And for those of you that attend my Bible study, you know the anacronym that I use for ego. What is it? Edging God out. Ego. He was full of himself. He only wanted self-satisfaction. And his vainglory had no limits. He pretends to be pious and creates a false image. Yet at the same time, how can he crucify his ego and be placed with everyone else and strive to always be above everyone else might be the question that should be asked. In contrast to the Pharisee that we just summarized, the publican, who again was recognized as the lowest of the low, found himself unworthy before God. He stood off and couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. This, one of the earliest recordings of what would be practiced and called the Jesus Prayer. The publican is an example of true repentance and the first sign from which repentance begins when we're weak in our human flesh but seeking strength in Almighty God. From all the money he exhorted and all the heavy taxes that he was able to impose, his wealth did not make himself sufficient. His wealth is not the position to take compared to the place of God's grace and love that he was looking for. This is why he decides to repent and to put the self-ruling ego self-centeredness aside and wanted a new life with God. Unlike the Pharisee, the going up necessarily means that the temple was simulated in a high place. Rather, for the publican, it refers to the inner rising of the soul as he goes up to rise to divine life because he decided to put to death his old. That is why, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, even in the liturgical life of the church, the church guides us in what we do. We're all in this level, facing the same direction. But when we come to receive, we come up because Christ came down. But we still have to ascend to Him. There has to be a sense of us wanting to rise up from where we are to be better. And then when we leave God's presence, to in fact be better for Him. You see, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, humility is the beginning and the focus, the middle and the end of repentance. Humility is the garment in which Christ clothed Himself in when He became man taking on our flesh. And He was clothed with the same garment of humility that the publican begins in His relationship now with Christ. 
so too are you and I clothed in that garment of righteousness and baptism. But that garment of clothing should always be one of humility, following the example of our Lord Himself. The publican does not act nor pretend to be good so he can gain the respect of others. He presents himself unjust as a money shark who extorts people for their living, was unclean, his soul polluted, yet he seeks God's mercy through repentance. You see, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, he prays with a contrite heart, with tears and with groaning and following the traditional practice of beating on the breast of the Judeans at that time and still is a practice to those in this day, seeking God's mercy. His constant prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He lost his ego and there he gained what human beings have been longing for oneness in God. The love for wealth and vainglory was gone and had been transformed into love of God and His kingdom. You see, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, this parable today is about repentance. It's interwoven in the warnings that beware the individual of sin and pride. Sometimes we can identify ourselves with the two characters presented in the parable. Want me to show you? Here you go. All of a sudden, we're opening the door for somebody who's walking out and they don't say the words and we get upset. Nobody says thank you anymore. Are you doing it to open the door for the person or are you doing it for the recognition of the thanks? The same thing as the Pharisee. Same thing. If you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, you don't need the thank you said to you. You see, sometimes that arrogance can be there and it can unfortunately disdain and harden us. Pride is a devious sin and has its way in concealing itself in righteousness. I'm going to say that again. Pride is a devious sin and has a way of concealing itself in righteousness. My beloved brothers and sisters, Christ loves humility and our thoughts and our actions must be done with a humble and contrite heart because if it is found in pride or self-satisfaction, we really haven't done anything good. When we do something good, we should not want the recognition for what we've done if we help someone. Let us not forget that the Pharisee was a good Jew. He observed the commandments. He observed the law. Yet he forgot about the most important thing, which is repentance and love. We have to remember that sometimes pride is always lurking in hiding, ready to pop up 
its ugly head in and through us. This is why pride is the hardest thing to overcome. It's the mother of all vices because it was pride that brought down Eos Photos. It was pride that brought down the angel who was the highest ranking angel in God's heavenly army who then became what we know him today as the Diavolos, the divider, the devil. It was his pride wanting to be like God. It was pride that brought Adam and Eve exile from paradise. This is why Christ wanted them clothed and taken care of in humility in paradise. Humility is the only thing that can overcome pride. This is why this parable is given to us on this, the first Sunday of the Triodion period. The church teaches us that our first steps in our journey, on our Lenten journey, must begin with humility. And yes, it's a lot easier said than done. Humility is the most difficult of all virtues because society teaches us that humility is a sign of weakness. Yet, as we heard today in the beautiful parable, we see who's really strong. The publican came up disrespected by so many, even talked about by the Pharisee, yet he walked away coming from humility he was exalted. Let us make sure that as we leave today, we take on and we clothe ourselves in the humility of martyrdom in our life today. I'm going to say that again. Let us make sure that we clothe ourselves in the humility which is a form of martyrdom on the way to the cross. Humility means to become Christ-like. And just as our Lord humbled Himself, taking on flesh and giving us the opportunity of salvation, so too must we find God's mercy by seeking and finding repentance and being and growing in and through humility while pushing out our own human egos and self-satisfaction. Amen.